On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. G'day everyone and welcome to the Four Diego's here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on this rather cool Wednesday night, as Warren told you. Hey, thanks to Finey, and uh, Finey will be back tomorrow night. Uh, of course, Zanners and Jeff Poulter in the studio. Good to hear Zanners back on, on the uh, airwaves just before us. Vinny Venezuela, welcome to the show. It is good to see him here and hear him back, back on air, but he keeps taking my car spot. I'm not happy about that. <laughs> we'll need to talk to him about that next week. We eh? will have words. Because I'm sure he's listening to us on the way home. So Zanners, um, I know you're on, bef- on before <laughs> us and you know, but you're, you're the supporting act, mate. Anyway, <laughs> Warren Diego, you're here as well. G'day. Rodrigo, good evening. And uh, I want to have say off the bat that nothing Carlos will say tonight. Aha. Uh-huh. Nothing. I'm not going to be baited, berated. Can't think of another word. This is cajoled. This is my city tonight. Yeah, this is your studio it's, tonight, Warren. It's my too. city so, and my studio. Gay abandon, cocker hoop. We want you to be happy tonight because I will. that's what it's all about. Carlos Alberto Diego. Hello, Rodrigo. Hello, Vinny Venezuela and Warren. Look, don't get too cocker hoop about a kissing your sister cup win last night. Two kissing your sisters. Because this morning, Liverpool oh, won yeah, a kissing yeah, his yeah, sister yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, so, Carlos, yeah. valet as well to your namesake. Absolutely. I was named after the great Carlos Alberto, the Brazilian uh, captain of the, the... Part of that, probably the best team in world football history, that Brazilian team that won the 1970 World Cup. Uh, some beautiful players in that team. And uh, Carlos Alberto scored a beautiful goal against the Italians in the final. And uh, I think we use a little bit of the audio at the start. And uh, it's always sad. And way before his time, he's 72, still playing football, I believe. Uh, had a heart attack, apparently. And you, know, you, you can't imagine a Brazilian having a heart attack. You'd think that they die <laughs> of having too much sex or something. <laughs> sex and sun and, you know, and but stuff like that. Cut, cut it in. But cut see, it. Yeah, yeah. Carlos, that perception. With a big smile on their face, you Carlos, know, but they, the heart attack. They eat a lot of red meat, Carlos. When you, spend a, when you spend a bit of time on Copacabana Beach and you see the size of guys in budgie smugglers, <laughs> well, like you realise that the heart attacks which, happen there. Which we have done. Yes. Which we've done. And I would like to apologise. For that vision. Yeah. In, in fact, I want to grow old on the Copacabana Beach. Well, I can imagine you. Yeah. Well, we did find acceptance, didn't uh, we, Carlos? No one better than I no. with my body hanging out and yours hanging out all over the place. There's no vanity there. No, yeah. absolutely. No, I remember I was a bit shy. Um, <laughs> I, didn't want, I didn't want my white body yeah. you know, strewn all across uh, Copacabana Beach. Yeah. I know that Brazilian team was very good, Carlos. Yeah. I know that. But the pressing game was hardly invented. They had a lot of room no, of to course, there was a lot of room to move. <laughs> build and, momentum. Yeah, there was no, there was no hard tackling or anything like that. And, and by the way, all those people who tweeted uh, thinking that I died, yes. don't worry, make hay. Yeah, and to Tony Shubecki, who I was, yeah. I was in the car earlier yeah, today. Yeah. and uh, I'm still said, alive, Tone. You didn't look that old. No. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, hey, tonight's show is brought to you by our great sponsors, Tax Talk, Best on Plumbing, and the Northern Football Academy at St. Monica's College in Epping. So uh, thanks to our sponsors. And uh, we've got a big show tonight, Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Send us a text message. Uh, we've got Mike McGrath coming up mm. very, very soon. Bailey Wright 
is uh, the Preston North End champion. Yeah. Forget the Socceroos. Mm. <laughs> He's a Socceroo as well. He was a champion uh, until last night. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They lost 6-0 to Newcastle. We'll talk to him about that. He's coming up a little bit later on. And, of course, uh, we'll get into Q&A. We'll talk about uh, Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City's mm. FFA Cup semi-final. So uh, give us a call if you'd like to. 94291116. It is a big show. Let's get into the Q&A now, boys, because... Uh, it was the uh, FFA Cup last night, and Melbourne uh, victory were defeated by Melbourne City. 2-0. Um, Comprehensive. Luke Bratton scored, and so did uh, Fernando Brandan. Scored again, 2-0. Uh, Over about 15,000 people at Amy Park. Good Warren, crowd. I was there. Gonna, uh, you start tonight, because <laughs> how did you were there last night. Yep. yep. How, how, how did you feel? Oh, how? This is the second time in 10 oh, days look, that you defeated Melbourne Victory. There's a couple of things. And be serious, too. Don't, yeah, don't, don't no, talk no. about couple this of things. is our city and stuff. Talk about the game, analyse the game, review the game, and actually talk intelligently about the game. <laughs> Thanks for your advice, Carlos, okay. and I'll take don't, it on board. This, whole, Thank you. Uh, this is our city. <laughs> Garbage. That's just marketing men mottos. First, first of all... That's the company First line. of all, yeah. well done to all the Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory fans that got out there for the second time in 10 days. Okay, chick. It was a great atmosphere. Chick. And the one thing I'll say... There were less victory fans there than normal, but there was a size. They were they outnumbered Melbourne City, but I, as a city person, I get a sense that support around Melbourne City is building, and there was really good banter, not aggressive or ugly. There was really good banter between the two teams last night. So atmosphere was great. Credit Melbourne Victory, they they chose to not to not sort of go into themselves. They played aggressive, attacking football. They tried really hard. They just lack a little bit of midfield creativity at the moment that City have got in, you know, in bucket loads. And they were able to capitalise. Not sure about the first goal in terms of it whether it was... never a goal. <laughs> it was, that was, every day of the it week. It was strange upside. that every day it of the was week. overruled. But City were the more... They always looked more likely to score, although... If Barisha scores that one-on-one mm, -on -one oh, yeah. with the keeper late in the first half, it definitely changes the game because victory had periods of five to ten minutes throughout the game where they, you know, they bullied possession and they were and pretty good. But City are a good side, and considering Kamau didn't play, considering Calazzo didn't play, I really like Kilkenny. Bratton was good again. Brandon, you know, Fornaroli had a pretty quiet game by his standards. So, but you said out in the green room, Carlos, about City needing to back it up. And I think you're right. They come out on Friday night off a two-day break against Adelaide. will be desperate. So, yeah. Was that, was that good enough for you? That was there's very a, good. There's a touch of intelligence there. <laughs> there's a touch of actually stuff you want to hear about, substance that you want to hear. It. Uh, for me, you know, almost the first derby where City completely overran victory, it was almost irrelevant for me because victory weren't competitive at all. But what gave me a better indication of how things are going to go for both teams last night is that victory for the whole 90 minutes was very competitive, very combative, really, uh, really got stuck in and really tested the resilience of Melbourne city. And guess what? Melbourne city didn't bend. So for me, when they're both playing that way at the moment, city's a better side. And that's what, that's what I got last night. Uh, but like you said, there were moments in the game if Borussia had scored that goal. There were a couple of other times. I, I felt at times in that second half, victory had a lot of the ball. They were creating a lot of stuff with a little bit more confidence or a little bit more, 
you know, composure, they could have got something and got back into that game. And who knows how City would have reacted then? Because it meant a lot to them, City, it because did. Did. They, you could just see at the end. It was spiteful, Carlos. Oh, yeah, but they, it really meant a lot to them because they're really desperate. They're setting themselves to win some silverware for a change. So, um, so that's what I enjoyed about last night. But in, at the end, I just felt it gave us an indication that City, at their best, victory at their best, City is a better side at the moment. Yep. Lily Venezuela said to me, um, "It's time for Muskie to go." I said, "Lily, <laughs> geez, wow. geez. I said, why do you?" I said, "Why do you say that, young one?" I said, "You know, the victory players don't take enough of the city players on." I said, "Well, that could be because oh. the city strategy is just holding them back. They don't have anywhere to teach." She goes, "Oh, well, they, they need new players in." So I, I said, "Settle," and I, then I sent her to a room without a meal because <laughs> that's not. I said, "That's not well, the sort of talk are, I want to hear." Are you? Are you as a victory fan, Vinny? Yes. Are you? At all pointing the finger at Kevin Musket at the moment? No, no. Look, I um, I, I I was saying this to Warren. I felt that at times victory haven't been technically as proficient and quick on the breaks as they they usually are. I think some of the passing has been sloppy and they've lost time and and therefore momentum and opportunities. I think Bessart Barisha not scoring that goal that Roe has beautifully put on a plate for him was a game changer psychologically for best because he probably wanted it even more then and then he just wasn't getting it i think city are servicing all of their players really well and they're everyone's moving nicely and at the moment they, they're looking like they're the quality team in town but i as with you carlos i think uh, victory fought hard and it could have gone either way but uh, look city took that one away and kudos to them i, I guess but, i'm not um, sh- absolutely i'm not sure if victory fans would like this but victory had a crack. They, they mm. and they, they'll always have a crack, but and yeah. that's a great thing. But City have got class. They've got a lot of and 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 Victory have got some class. But but what I liked about Victory is that you you know you're going to get 100 percent all the time from those boys. You know they play like you know yeah. under the Kevin Musket kind they're, of guys. They're really missing Finkler. They're, they're oh, missing they're, some. They're some, missing Finkler badly. Yeah. There's a lot on this German guy coming yeah, in in Maxi, terms of creativity. Meister, yeah, uh, he's in town and. His video looks really good. Absolutely. <laughs> Have you seen it, Carlos? I had, and his playing video is pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, up, up until that point, I just want Pasquale to come on all the time. I just like to see the, the young whippersnapper yeah. just, you know, prance yeah. and, and, and do his best because he's got nothing to lose. Yeah, no, you, you, you like Pasquale. Hey, uh, we'll talk more about uh, the FFA Cup uh, semi-final, of course, but uh, Melbourne City are into a final against uh, Sydney FC. But uh, now it's time to talk to our friend in the UK. It's uh, 16 past 11. Yes, now it's time to catch up with our man on the ground in uh, in London. It's Mike McGrath from the Sun in the UK. G'day, Mike, and welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, it's, it's our pleasure. Thanks for coming on a bit earlier tonight. It's Rodrigo here. You've got uh, Vinny Venezuela, Warren Diego, and Carlos Alberto Diego wearing that name with absolute pride tonight, mm, as he always it's does. It's a sad night, Mike. <laughs> Are they, are they talking about my demise over in uh, in the UK? Well, no, um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously, it's sad times, a celebration as well, which, yeah. uh, which the name, it, it normally conjures up when um, when it's spoken. But they think about that, the, the, that magnificent goal and, and other great moments like that. Mike, um, this, I mean... It was a halcyon days for me. This, uh, not that I was was I was only a kid, but my dad still talks about that 1970 World Cup, and you know England, of course, coming off the back of their 1966 win, and they and they had a, still a very decent side, 
in that in that Mexico World Cup also. Have some of the oldies, some of the greats come out and talked about Carlos Alberto and and by extension that Brazilian side. Because I think from every all the information I've got, probably the greatest team, uh, international team in the history of the game. Yeah, um, there's been a, there's been a lot of talk in the last 24 hours about it, about that team and how um, Carlos Alberto's role was so important because of the sheer amount of um, yeah, it was the talent that they had in that team. They had number 10 throughout the you know throughout the whole of the team, all of them ball players and probably let's face it all probably with an ego because they were all brilliant. Mm. Um, so he was the one that um, had to keep everybody in check. And, and you know, I'd never met the guy, but the, the stories that you're hearing is that he was, as well as being a, a magnificent fullback like he was, he was actually, he, he, he could tell Pele and keep him on the straight and narrow, tell him what to do, tell him if, you know, if he wasn't doing something right. It's um, a real strong captain to do that. Um, so it's... Um, yeah, it's a very sad, um, very sad news when we heard it, and also, but also it, it it does bring out the great stories of that 1970 team, um, and that brings a lot of um, memories for people in England as well. That 70 team was an excellent England team, mm. uh, defending their title, and that game, um, people, you know, I, I was at dinners earlier earlier this year. They're talking. You know, blow by blow, things that happen in that in that game, the the Gordon Banks save, mm. exact people remember exactly what happened, <laughs> exactly who you know what the what the, the the flight of the ball was and what Banks had to do, how brilliant Bobby Moore was, um, and and that sportsmanship at the end with with Pele. Mm. Now, Mike, we know perception is everything in football. If we were to go back twelve months and Louis Van Gaal was in charge of Manchester United and they've come off a, a dour defensive effort against Liverpool at home and then went to Chelsea and were thrashed the way that they were thrashed by a Chelsea team that I don't think is travelling that well, even though their results are a bit better. We know what Manchester United fans would be calling for and I'm not going to... I'm going to... I'm going to not wallow. or oh, no, that's not the right word, but I'm not going to celebrate their demise, Manchester United, but... <laughs> Where does Jose Mourinho sit in terms of... Do you think his confidence would be a bit dented with what's happened in the last 10 days? Yeah, I think he's... It's a strange, it, there's a strange atmosphere there. I don't think anybody can quite put their finger on is there one reason why it's gone this way for him. Um, but there are a number of, a number of factors... Um, I don't think it's panic stations at the moment in terms of um, in terms of like Van Hal earlier this year, uh, but there's certainly a lot of work to do in terms of getting that team um, on the right path again. It's been a, it's been a really terrible terrible week for them. So, Mike, whose fault was it, Conte's or <laughs> or the squads? You know, like uh, he he seemed to make a big deal of. Um, of that part of the game, and and you know hasn't really banged on about other aspects. Yeah, I, I, another this is another really strange twist from Mourinho. If we're to believe, if we are to believe what the Italian lip readers say, and then he, that he said to Conte, you know, don't humiliate me here. Um, you know, this is a big turnaround from somebody who would, you know, who more, on more than one occasion would go down the tunnel 
before the end of a before the final whistle who would try and shake the hand of opponents before the final whistle, which is <laughs> a very you know you could accuse him of trying to humiliate other people in that way um so it really is a a change a real change for Mourinho, and we're just starting to see maybe that sparkle in his eye just fading a little bit and he's certainly not smiling and joking like he was um even in the se- even in, in his second spell at Chelsea there's something that needs to be listed at Man United it probably starts from the manager himself Mike could he have lost his hunger because there was a story just in the last day or so about him being quite lonely living in a hotel a five-star hotel in Manchester and and the paparazzi are out there and they won't let him go off to a restaurant or go for a little walk around the park. And his wife and kids, uh, who are now, the kids are like 18 and 20 years old, they're living their lives in London. And he's, you know, the, the family's spread over the world, you know, all over the place. And could he be going through some sort of personal crisis uh, and maybe lost a little bit of the focus on football? I- I, don't, I think he's still focused on football. I just think it's a strange existence to live in a hotel like uh, one of our famous character, comedy characters over here, Alan Partridge. He's a, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a joke figure for living in a living in a hotel, <laughs> um, and it isn't it it isn't right. I mean, footballers do it. That's but footballers also. You, know, you heard stories about when players in Newcastle who was who would helicopter into training. You know, things are possible here. You know, he can commute to, to to Manchester, but you really, the, the best image is if you're, if you've got a house in, say, Alderley Edge near, near um, Manchester and you're only 20-minute drive from Carrington, that, that creates the right image. And certainly he says that his life's a bit of a disaster in, in Manchester. Well, I think there's things that he can do to solve that. And um, getting a house, even if it's not your own, uh, you know, concrete and bricks, you know, even if he's just renting a house, it gives a better impression. I think that's one thing that he could do, even if his family um, are living in living in London. Maybe he can't get a mortgage, uh, Mike. <laughs> can't get a loan. <laughs> can't get a loan. <laughs> Mike, um, self-indulgent question I've been holding off, but uh, I know it was only a kissing your sister cup, but... I was um, speaking to our uh, our German producer before the start of the show, and he said that Jurgen Klopp's greatest strength at Dortmund was the building of a squad of players. And the one thing I noticed in last night's performance is guys that you'd have to be watching the Liverpool football channel to actually know from the under-23s and that played last night. And it seems to me that more than I've seen in the last five years, and this doesn't mean title or anything this year, but there's a depth around the squad that Klopp is building and the young guys seem to be better under him than what I've seen in the recent years under under other managers. And it's showing in terms of the way they played last night and the way that they've been playing in, in recent weeks. Yeah, well, it's Liverpool are really interesting in terms of the youngsters there because I think it actually has started before Klopp's got, uh, got a guy called Alex Inglethorpe who runs the academy and from what I've been told, they've got a lot of um, a lot of excellent youngsters there. Um, not all necessarily uh, born in England, but were, could, may qualify for England, which is really exciting for us. Um, 
obviously the difference is that Klopp's giving them a chance. You know, the guys like Stewart, um, they've even got a guy for the young, who didn't play yesterday for the because uh, he was playing for the England under 17 called Brewster, who they they think is going to be an absolute top player. So they've got they've got the talent there. Uh, definitely, I think they always did have the talent there. But the big difference is that Klopp is a play, is a manager who's willing to play them in um, in games like last night or say last season when they were having a run in the Europa League and they had a Sunday game. I think it was against Bournemouth when he when he threw them in there as well. So I think they will get a chance to impress under him, and that's um, that is exciting for Liverpool fans um, and. You know, and causes quite a few other questions, like about Daniel Sturridge and where he fits in, and players like Danny Ings. I mean, if if he can't, you know, he's an excellent. He's an England international, really. He was on the bench yesterday. I'd say that he'd be pushing for a first team place, which um, shows the depth that 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 Klopp has. Mike, I've been here now. Late last week, I think a British journalist asked. Uh, uh, Pep Guardiola about his playing style and and whether he should change it. That wasn't you, was it? <laughs> <laughs> he's made it. He's made it quite clear what he thinks of that, and he, he's made it clear again. I mean, I, I think there's stubbornness, um, and you know, sometimes stubbornness is a real quality. But I'm not sure Man City can play their way out of this. I know they're top of the league. So yeah, but know, Mike, but Mike, you know, you talk about you talk about Pep being stubborn, but he did go on and said, "I've won twenty-one trophies," and he just just rolled off the tongue about how many trophies he'd won, and and you know, if he, you know, I, I, are we are we the ignorant ignorant ones because he's, they've just had a couple of bad, well, not bad results. They're still top of the league, but they're not playing oh, with no, that swagger. No, I, I think. Uh, Bayern Munich, you're in a you're in a one horse race, mm. so you can afford to you can afford to play your own way. At Barcelona, you're in a two horse race where you've got to you've got those two games are very key, and and you can play your own way. I think I look at the league now and say Man United with 14 points, six points behind the leaders, Man City. So I, I think you've got seven potential winners there, or definitely, you know. Seven out of the four out of the top seven are going to finish in the top four, and three are going to be really disappointed. I think the competition is just really—it's just too much for somebody to just say, "Right, I'm going to play this way and beat every single team this way." Mm. I think you've got to—I think you've got to be more clever than that, and say we can do that maybe in home games against certain teams, but when we play Tottenham, we're going to have to do it differently. When we play Liverpool, we're going to have to do it differently. Or when we're going to play Southampton because they're going to do something different. They've got a different shape to their team. I think you should tailor it more and stop, you know, and, and not say this is how Man City play we're, and, and we're not going to change for anybody. Flexibility, Mike. Um, that's a question Jose will be asking himself too. But uh, hey, thanks for your time as always, Mike, and uh, we'll catch up with you again next week. Cheers, guys. Speak to you soon. There's thanks, Mike, Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. Check out his articles at thesun.co.uk. Hey, let's, as we go to the break, tonight's show is brought to you by the Northern Football Academy at St. Monica's in Epping. It starts in 2017 and is open for enrolments right now. Uh, if you want to go to a fantastic academy, give them a call on 9409-8800 or check them out on the web. This is the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. <laughs>
on 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night. Really appreciate your company. Hey, we're back on Friday night for the Four Diego's final whistle mm. after SEN's call of oh, Melbourne yes. City against Adelaide United. It's a danger game. Uh, it is a big game, Oh, yeah, actually. you, you actually, game. this time last week, you predicted that the next week of my life could be one of... Actually, I had a chat to you on the phone you right, did? Uh, you on Monday night. And I said, this could be a really bad, bad week, week for you, Warren. So far, it's just been <laughs> a sensational week. You're keeping it. You're internalising it. You're not too I'm not, cock-a-hoop, I'm not which cock, is good. I'm not too cock-a-hoop. I was... <laughs> there was no soft underbelly, though. I didn't hear you say no, that. No. No, no, because victory... Yes. Victory Indeed. demonstrated that their underbelly, although being... Pregnable. Vulnerable. It's not impregnable. It's it's <laughs> pregnable if that's a word. No, well, it's not. It no. isn't? No. Well, it's 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 not soft then. It's the next level up from soft victory. That if this if the German maestro comes in <laughs> if the German Jeez. maestro comes there's in. There's a lot might, of there's a lot of directions we could take this conversation. There's but two we home games to come. We for did City, get a though. tweet just now yes. by yeah. Aspire Soccer saying we can't wait for an in depth. <laughs> Uh, discussion with <laughs> substance about the FFA Cup and what a bad start that was by Warren. Oh, that's a bit unfair, Warren. There are listeners out there who want us to talk about this game. we have listeners? <laughs> we do. Well, okay. let's continue. Let's continue yes, the Q&A, all right? Because uh, Melbourne City defeated uh, Melbourne Victory last night. I uh, just thought I'd mention that again. Uh, over 15,000 people attended the semi-final last night. Okay, we talked about the offside a little bit before uh, we spoke to Mike. The non-offside. The non-offside. Mm. Well, yeah, the non-offside. Mm. It was actually flagged as an offside by the linesman. Yeah. Then overruled by Sean Evans, the yeah. uh, the field referee. And, um, Big boy, Sean Evans. He's yeah. Strapping you know, late. I've got to say, he, he, he lets the game... Go. I mean, he. There were a few yellow cards I thought yeah. could have been had last night, but he he didn't give them. But uh, I, this I, was a decision yeah. that he took, right? And and he had the courage of his convictions to do it. Was it offside? Absolute, according to absolutely. the law, absolutely, absolutely. The whole idea of uh, a player interfering with the ref, with the goalkeeper's view of a you couldn't get a more clearer example. If I was running a referee's course, that would be the most clear example. I mean. Tim had to duck away from a ball that was coming straight at him. And at the point that, you know, as Muskie pointed out, if it had touched, the keeper mm. couldn't dive until the ball went past Timmy because if he deflected either one side, you know, the keeper had to be ready for that, for any sort of deflection. And so for me, that was as clear as anything. So why does he and, not give it Well, because I think it's incompetence, to tell you well, the truth. Well, he said. Because the assistant linesman, assistant referee, Put his flag up, rightly so. Well, didn't he say that one of the reasons that he didn't give it is is that um, Tim Cale was far enough away from Lawrence Thomas for Lawrence Thomas to have had a, a good view. But that's not that's not part of the rule, as well, far as well, I know. That's what the referee uh, explained. Well, you clearly know more than the referee. Well, the Carlos. assistant the assistant referee is in line with that player. The assistant referee, yeah, but he's not in line with the Tim Cale. He's, in, he's in line with. He's Tim only Kale. calling Tim Cale offside. He's not calling him interfere. He's calling him offside. Yeah, yeah, then it's absolutely. the referee's decision to make a decision as to whether it was interfere, whether it was actually he was interfering with the play or he was. But, what's the word for offside? But you're not interfering with the play. Passive, passive, passive offside. offside. Yeah. But so but, it's not the ref, the no, official's decision. But the the assistant referee put his flag up for, for Tim offside. being offside. Yep. 
So this idea that he was, what, what did the referee say? That uh, Tim Cale was far enough away from Lawrence well, Thomas. Well, he was, he was two metres inside the penalty box. But he was passive, Carlos. We're talking he's about... passive. The ball, he's actually, he's actually avoiding the ball. <laughs> the ducking. only reason he why he could be classified as being offside <laughs> is if the referee deemed that he was... He, in he's pr- blocking the view of the well, goalkeeper. Not according to the referee. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. He's incomp- that decision was incompetent. Is there not a chance him. you're incompetent? No, that, re- <laughs> that decision... There's very much more celebrated football knowledge and experience than, than me you? since that game yep. has said it was a bad decision. Are they the keyboard warriors that Tim no, was no. talking about Mark after Rudin, the game? Mark Rudin, who I really respect, uh, and a few other guys who are quite even-tempered with the way they talk about things. They're not usually out there criticising the referee. That was as blatant as a mistake. And the way he dismissed his assistant referee, the arrogance he showed it then, I mean, that's another thing. He should be cited. That referee should be cited for arrogance. Well, isn't Kevin he Musk- going to victory to, to explain the rule? Wait, isn't that punishment enough? Uh, it's, just, it's just a big mistake. And it's not like the assistant referee didn't alert him to it. I mean, he alerted him to the offside. Anyway, anyway. so we, we know that it was ruled offside, but then the uh, referee overruled it and... Uh, it was a goal, but Kevin Musket had some stuff to say uh, after the game to Fox Sports, and he's now been cited under the National Code of Conduct for uh, comments he made about Sean Evans and his handling of that situation. So, do you know if has... there was if the fourth official was a cardboard cutout, not a real human, that both <laughs> that both <laughs> managers you would be a good fourth official. Both managers. Why? Because your turn... attention spans about ten seconds. Well, all you have to do is hold up the board at the end of the yep. game. Why do they turn to the fourth official? Because I told you, they're all mic'd up to the referee. So if you yell at the fourth official loud enough, the referee can hear it. They should have a little kitty. A little kitty. (laughs) Because Kevin wouldn't yell at a little kitty. I reckon they should have some some really, like like a mixed martial arts guy who's the fourth official. (laughs) Where he wouldn't dare... Question him, or if he does, it's done really sort of quite nicely, you know. A couple of text messages here. Suck it up, Carlos is uh, is one of them. It's good. Uh, thought the league's new official Warren Diego had a stinker. Uh, that's John in Port <laughs> Melbourne. And uh, hey guys, I got the front. I got the paper in front of me. It was a goal. Uh, there you go. Uh, Not yes. sure if he means yeah, the, newspaper yeah, the newspaper or the actual rule book, but anyway. But uh, it was a goal. At the end of the day, can it I, was a goal. As, no, as I said about Kenny Lowe on the weekend. Uh, whether they whether they feel that they're right or not, they, I, I don't believe it was right for Kevin Musker to come out the way he did. But he's there in the heat of the moment. He's there, you know, just lost the game. They really built themselves up for that for that game against Melbourne City, and they lost. And there's some pretty angry and disappointed people in that change room. So I can understand why it could have happened. But really, I don't blame the FFA citing him or whoever, match review panel citing him or, because I think uh, what he said was inappropriate in the end. He's got to make a submission to the FFA by 5 o'clock on Thursday, the 27th of October, so uh, tomorrow. 100% agree off the text messages, as does anyone who actually watches any football. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Suck it up, Carlos. Was the Barisha and Rojas goal uh, that was disallowed offside? Yeah, Barisha was definitely offside. Yeah, in, in the first phase yeah, of the that. Yeah, fir- that's right. As the cross came across, yeah. he was offside. And look, one thing I was... But how oh, is that not passive offside if it doesn't hit him? Well, the ball no, went, no, straight went straight, to, straight him, to him. And he headed it on. Yeah. Oh, all right, yeah. But I will say, I don't know. Barisha is always playing... He's always playing from an offside position, waiting for defenders to come back to him. And sometimes they don't. And 
maybe that's the way that a modern striker plays because sometimes I look at Barisha and say, oh, get back on side. You're only half a yard. But if he can get that half a yard, he's going to put himself in an attacking position. And on the Rojas um, cross that led to that missed opportunity just been for half time, he played that exactly the same. He sits in an offside mm. position, waits for the defenders to come back. And as such, he's always got that slight advantage in being able to get to the ball just that little bit earlier. So it's a real art of, you know, striking and being just right on the edge, I think. I really enjoyed this game last night. In fact, I've enjoyed all the games since the start of the A-League seasons that I've watched. They're, everyone's really having a dip. So, Vinny and Warren, uh, in terms of Melbourne City's other players, you know, you, you, who, who's your favourite player? One of your favourite players at the moment. Uh, I'll go to Warren on this one. Um, for me, if you're going to describe certain players, I mean, the guy I like, who I don't think is going to get a lot of credit because of the potency in the attacking force. I mean, um, Bratton's like the puppeteer. He sort of pulls the strings and everything. But um, Kilkenny is, and and Jakobsen, who is a really good player with the ball at his foot, really good distributor. But Kilkenny's the guy for me. You know, he's one of those guys that never really got a look in for the Socceroos. He was there at a period where Verbeek and that weren't picking guys like him who were playing in the championship or whatever. And he's, and I think you get that perception of the guys in the championship, maybe those journeymen not being that good of players. But having seen him come back, he's really good as an organiser. He's a really good leader of that team, even though he's not captain. And he does distribute the ball really well. He's a far better player than I ever imagined him to be as a guy that we'd sort of heard of playing his trade in the championship. So for me, he's the guy for, Vic, um, for City. Look, I like Brandon for City. I think he's just so dangerous. He's so quick. He's someone like um, Geria isn't troubled often by players because he's pretty quick himself. But I've never seen Geria being left for dead. I don't think uh, Jason's in the best sort of uh, form at the moment. But uh, Brandon certainly made him look very ordinary. And speaking of uh, Jason Geria, Ange Postacoglu's named an extended squad for the game against uh, Thailand next month on the 15th of November. And uh, Jason Geria, who a lot of people are saying mm. is out of form and, and actually looks... Looks a bit out of sorts at the moment. Um, probably very quickly. Probably benefiting, I think, from the fact that they're a bit light on at right back. Is uh, forgive me. No, no. We, but we always do the thirty-man squad. <laughs> is it a bit like the equivalent of the school encouragement award? <laughs> you know, why no, do we? Why do so we dabble in the thirty-man squad? You no, know, I don't want to. Yes, I do want to. Uh, really, we've got to show you up. For this is why you'll never coach at that level. This is why you'll never you never played at that level. Because he has really. got an application in as yeah, we speak. Yeah, yeah, and I know he's got aspirations to one day coach the Socceroos at a World Cup, but you'll never do it, Warren. And this is why, yeah. right? Because they're weeks away, and there's many ga club games. Uh, injuries, suspensions, all sorts of things. You'd have to be a bowler to get some of those guys you, to you, play. You, 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 tell, you, you inform the, possi the possibles, yep. what could happen, and they're all ready to go, finely tuned, ready to go. Okay. And it's a very, very, it's a tactic that many coaches use. It's a strategy many coaches use, especially when they're three or four weeks away from the okay. game. Look, uh, we'll, I talk, we'll talk more about this next week. And I'm, I'm, I'm 
Jason Geary is in that squad, and I'm hoping that he'll pull himself out of what for him after, oh, especially after young, last season, yeah, young, um, out of a bit of a, a bit yeah. of a slump. But uh, look, he's he's got some talent, so hopefully uh, he you know he gets better. And Aziz Bayich is in that squad, as is Tommy Orr, amongst others. So interesting about Aziz Bayich because uh, suddenly he's gone a rung above uh, Jason Davison, who was. Probably the golden child there for a while. You wouldn't now have he's... thought that Jason Davidson would not be playing for the Socceroos based on his performances at the World Cup. You just wouldn't have thought that. Mm. Just uh, very quickly, it was good to see Franich back back on, yes. the, on yeah. the park. That's yes. all I want to say. Welcome back, Ivan. Hey, let's take a break now. And uh, with thanks to Tax Talk, we love to talk tax. Give Dom and the team a call on one three hundred three double six six three nine. That's Tax Talk. This is the Four Diego's on eleven sixteen SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. <laughs> On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. Time flies when you're having fun. Hey, uh, we promoted that um, Bailey Wright was going to be on the show, but they've had, unfortunately for us, they've had an extended training Wind session. Yes, uh, Wind sprints. Lost 6 0 last night in the Kissing Your Sister League Cup. In England against Newcastle. <laughs> they did. They and got, the coaches cracked the whip. Well. They've been playing well, too. Yeah. They're about and they've got to play Newcastle again this Saturday. <laughs> I know I, you shouldn't go early in the championship because they play 427 <laughs> games in the season. <laughs> but I think Newcastle are coming straight back up. They, uh, we'll see. I'm watching a bit of that BN Sports Channel number one and two with the championship, the EFL. And uh, they're clearly the best team in it at the moment. Mm. Anyway, we hope to get Bailey in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so... Uh, Thanks for your patience on that. Hey, let's talk about the A-League. And uh, obviously some big games coming up tonight. Of course, Melbourne City take on Adelaide United and we'll be uh, on after that game, after SEN broadcast that game on the final whistle. But uh, Jesus, some good football being played at the moment, isn't there? Uh, the, the game, the the, um, the Melbourne victory game um, the Adelaide. against Adelaide was just fantastic, wasn't it? It was just one of those games that you just couldn't take your eyes off. Yeah. And then victory stole it right at the end. Uh, they, they probably think... You know, retribution for the game they lost against Brisbane right at the end too. But uh, what a magnificent game of football to watch. If you're a neutral or a victory fan, go watch a game. Go watch a victory Adelaide game at Hindmarsh. It is just sensational. Yeah, you've been the a big I've been a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, you've been a fan. We've Great. sent you over there a couple of times, yeah. Vinny. Never and, me. Uh, Love it. Yeah, no, uh, you are an Adelaide boy at heart, I think. No, no, I don't I don't like them. No, no, I'm, I'm saying I'm, you I'm don't mind going. I'm, I'm with Vidmar. Yeah, I'm, no. you know, he's on the record. <laughs> Ant, yeah. something, something ants, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. But well, a great place to watch football. But they were very unlucky too. I mean, yep. victory. They showed their resilience, their determination, commitment. They were always going to win that, I thought. But Adelaide actually probably played the better football. Lawrence and, Thomas got him out of jail. Yeah, absolutely, Lawrence Thomas. And isn't, isn't he becoming a a, a class keeper? Uh, but also, they hit a couple of posts. You know, I think mm, uh, right who was it? Uh, was it Guardiola hit one? And um, I'm not quite sure. Pep two. That's yeah, what we're calling uh, it. Pep and, two. and then uh, Tarek Elrich's goal was oh, a beauty sweet. too. So they're a little bit unlucky. So that's why I'm thinking uh, Melbourne City. And I'm not sure what their record against Adelaide is in Melbourne. I don't think it's too good. Uh, I've seen Adelaide. No, City lost to Adelaide last yeah. season yeah. after being in front, and then Adelaide came from behind. That's right. So uh, I think it's a hugely it, they're setting themselves up for a big game because they need to get the points too. So uh, yeah, but I, I'm with you, Vinny. If you if you really want to get a, a bit of a snap in your shorts, uh, watching a bit of A League, uh, watch that game between Melbourne Victory and Adelaide last weekend. It was a beauty. It was awesome. And uh, Warren Sydney FC, uh, they you know they they just got over the line against Wellington, but they yep. got the three points again. They're not. They've, yeah, they've won every game so far. Vinny mentioned off. Look. 
I think Wellington had the ball in the in the net three times from offsides in the first half alone. And Sydney looked legitimately off the pace to me in that first half. And they'd come off two really dominant performances. And it's probably not an easy place to play. My sense with um, Wellington is they'll get better. You know, Barbarossa's back in back in that but, side. But they look good. Would you say they were dominant? In the derby, I know it was 4 0. Yeah. But there were, in that second half for about 20 minutes, West Sydney Wanderers should have scored three goals. Yep. And Central Coast Mariners should have had a couple more goals when they were beaten quite comprehensively yeah. by Sydney, too. So I, I'm not convinced about probably Sydney. Probably on paper, though, Carlos, you'd say that they've probably got the strongest squad. I mean, they, they're able to bring on Matt Simon, who gets the header to Ninkovic, who hasn't been playing every game. He came off the bench, so and Brosk has been coming off the bench. So notionally, in terms of players, they probably look to have the strongest total group. Just the same as last year, yeah, except for Bobo well, and uh, Brillante. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, right, right, there's Alex two Wilkinson. players out of 11. There's a sameness about this group. Alex Wilkinson's in, in defence. It's true, and Zulo, oh, there's a few. There's four. It's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I but think they've recruited they, quite a, well, Carl. There's a, there's, a, there's a sameness about them. Danny Vukovic is in goal. That's true. You wanted to name you. Bernie uh, Abini's back. Rodrigo's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a roll. Um, My sense, though. <laughs> okay. So they've changed their seam a lot. Yeah. But the strip's still a, the same. Yeah, same colours. Yeah. They've changed their personnel, but there's a sameness about them. My there sense is that Wellington won't be a bad team. I think it's interesting. Finkler comes up against his old team. This week, and it'll be interesting to see in Barbarossa. So that Melbourne victory Wellington game on Monday night before Melbourne Cup is going to be a really interesting one. Wellington don't traditionally travel, but I thought they looked okay. We're unlucky to not get a point. But it was a, I will say in, in that, the way they conceded that goal in the 93rd minute or so, it was very soft. I'll very, you, very victory, soft. victory, don't get a result against Wellington, the jungle drums will be beating. <laughs> Because, yeah. but Welding, well, you say they don't travel well. Welding's had a couple of good results here in Melbourne over the last couple of years. And Vinny and me and you, yep, that's have right. been to one or two of those, and they sometimes can pull something out of the similar fire. philosophy yeah. too. I reckon. Mm. Well, if the A League keeps going the way it is, I'm, I'm looking forward to it anyway. But uh, we're in for some good football this weekend. Make sure if you can get to a game, get to a game, or listen to SEN because uh, broadcasting home and away games this year, and the Diego's are on on Friday night and Monday night, mm. actually, with the final whistle. Let's take a break now, and as we do, with thanks to Best on Plumbing, Victoria's trusted plumbing and drainage experts for over 26 years. Great company to work for. If you're looking for a job because they're so busy, go to beston.net.au or call 1300-BEST-ON. Let's take a break and come back with a little bit more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. On 1116 SEN, the four Diego's. Thanks for joining us tonight and coming up after the Diego's, it's the overnight crowd with Scotty Cooney. Make sure you stick around for that. Hey, um, the Melbourne City Adelaide United game off the text message here, Mark from North Baldwin. How many will go to Friday night's game? Is ten to 12,000 a failure or a success? No, uh, to, to me, ten to 12 would be a success. No, they've got to get 15. Mm. If, they, if they're sticking to 10 to 12, mediocrity, Warren. That's what I aspire no, to, Carlos. 15. <laughs> They've got to start getting 15. As long as there's no rain, if they don't get it, I'll be disappointed. With the football they're playing, you know, 15,000 would be yeah. a fantastic Oh, well, look, let's look forward to Friday night where they don't get 15 and you just bag them for the whole two hours. <laughs> That's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. So remember, cut a losh. We're Puerto Rican girls. Hang out. We're over there. there. Or if you Samba, Rumba and La Bamba. We're, we're over there. there. Wherever there are girls with fruit on their head and balls in their face. We're, we're there. there. Wherever gringos play football. We're, we're there. there. We are the Four Diego's. Olé. Olé.